Well, once again, here we are at Truth Unbound, and I am so thankful that you're here being a part of this today. I'm Walter Swain, your host, and um, well, let me just start off with this. My principal just approved our district's first transition closet. We'll be working with the organization, The Transition Closet, to provide clothes for transgender, non-binary, and gender-exploring youth who maybe don't have the access or the safety to get those clothes uh, in their personal lives. They'll be able to come to school and change into the clothes that make them feel more at home and more like themselves. And I just think that's lovely. Wait, what was that? A transition closet in a school? Why again? Well, in today's podcast, you're going to get the answers to those questions and maybe others that you have, and why parents are increasingly being bypassed in our culture as to who and what influences their children. Well, God speaks his truth even into this, so let's get started right now. Well, thank you again for being here with me today at Truth Unbound. And I'm a little late to the party on this next uh, announcement (laughs) because it went by me and I didn't even realize it. But we finally just hit, in March actually, our first year mark as the Truth Unbound podcast and ministries. And so for as long as God wants us to, We'll keep bringing you up to date on the current issues and trends in daily life and how God's truth speaks to each one of those and how he shows us how to respond and live in the midst of it all. So to get the latest and to spread God's truth to others, would you click on like and then click on subscribe on all notifications and then share the podcast with everyone you can. And also feel free to comment or send us an email at info at truthunbound.org. All right, let's get to this today. It's a hot one. Let's go. Well, if you haven't noticed in the last year or so, parents are increasingly being bypassed by many school authorities and various levels of government around the country, and it seems to be widening. And now parents are finally pushing back and saying it's enough, and rightfully so. But why? Why are parents so ticked off? Why are they pushing back like this? Who keeps poking the bear? And why? Well, the main in, main arena, if you will, in which this has been happening is in the public school districts in several areas around the country. Not all of them, but in several. Uh, the videos, of course, have gone viral of the meetings, and you almost wonder if they're legit or satire uh, as sometimes as you watch them but only to find out after some research that, no, it's, it's, it's for real, very real. Now, the areas of parents' discontent began last year, even a little bit in 2020, with several school districts especially imposing the wearing of masks when it was unnecessary and the data was showing they were being ineffective. But now that that has begun to fade, Uh, it has quickly widened into several other areas that parents have also noticed. For instance, pornographic books discovered being available for reading and lending in school libraries, even in elementary schools. The imposition of an LGBTQ ideology on kids, even as early as kindergarten by some teachers and, and administrators. 
And there's another area which has tipped the scales, if you will. And we'll show you that in just a moment. And you're really going to want to hold your hat uh, for that one, okay? So get ready. So a lot of this uh, began in 2021 where parents uh, were seeing more of what their kids were learning. Uh, due to the so many classes, due to COVID, so many of the classes having to be done at home. And then again, a lot of parents are having to work at home. And so they were noticing nationwide uh, and paying more attention to what their kids were being taught. And as a result, they keep following that. And they began to attend school board meetings and bring up what their kids were being indoctrinated with instead of being educated in like math and reading and the core subjects. Well, let's see in here a few examples of parents and their response in these meetings with various school boards around the country. And we only have time for a couple, but uh, these are the same school districts now that, that parents are financing through their property taxes. Now, I'm going to show you some very short clips because so much of them they're having to read things that are so sexually explicit. I, I can't play it for you here on the podcast. And uh, there'll be a link to these uh, videos provided in the description of this podcast. But here's the first one now uh, in a, uh, a well-known now mom in Fairfax County, Virginia, who after reading the sexually explicit portions of a book available to students in the school library, well, this is what she got in return from the school board members. Midway through, school officials appeared to cut her off. There are children in the audience here. Do not interrupt my time. Do not interrupt my time. Here's another one from Cherokee County, Georgia. And it got much of the same reaction from school board members, but it was heavily ironic. You'll see what I mean. Watch this.
Now, during the period uh, following the death of George Floyd and uh, the riots that went on over the country and all these changes and things being said and done in public schools especially, um, it came out that critical race theory, something that parents really had not heard of or paid attention to before, uh, had come to the forefront in their minds because it teaches racism. Now, you have to understand the critical race theory had been taught for years and years, especially in schools of higher learning, and it's trickled down into uh, high school and elementary for years in actuality. But now again, remember, parents are getting a closer eye. They're, they're eyeballing more what their students are being taught after they caught a few things, and now they're pushing back against it. And these parents, actually, by the way, a very diverse group of parents, both black and white, liberal and conservative, have reacted in opposition to critical race theory and intersectionality being taught. And they are organizing and pushing back because this theory, critical race theory, is another blatant form of racism, which has largely been rejected by our culture for decades now, and rightfully so. Now, one major example of this has been the recent evidence of CRT, critical race theory, being interjected in many of the state of Florida's county's textbooks, even at kindergarten level, and of all and in all places, or of all places, I should say, in math textbooks in high school. So the state governor, DeSantis, and the Florida Department of Education established new standards that reject these racist theories being placed in textbooks. Now, uh, I read here that many parents throughout the state of Florida had sent in samples to the government, state government as to what their students were being taught. And so the governors, Governor DeSantis and the Florida Department of Education developed new standards that reject these textbooks for interjecting these things in the teaching, even in math books. Again, I'm sorry I keep repeating that, but that just fascinates me. Now, here's one that says, what? Me? Racist? More than 2 million people have tested their racial prejudice using an online version of the implicit association test. This is all CRT language. Another says the SEL objective is to help students build proficiency with social awareness as they practice with empathizing with classmates. And so now parents have also, on top of that, another area on the battlefield to deal with in some schools. And that area is having to do with gender and sexuality and sex issues, uh, LGBTQ ideologies being imposed on their children and encouraging children to participate in it, which is an illegal act called grooming. It is the enticement of a minor to sexual activity. Look it up. Now this next article exposes the school board approved training, this time in a Texas public school district. Teachers at Leander Independent School District, north of Austin, received a training presentation in October last year that instructed them to discuss gender identity with students and ask them whether it was okay to share students' preferred pronouns with their parents. The training, titled Supporting LGBTQ Plus Youth in Schools, was led by two school social workers working for the district. Felix Barnhart, and Monica Kelly, who describes herself as a fat-positive, sex-positive therapist. Now, the question about the pronouns reads this way. Would you like to follow up with me in a private conversation about your pronouns? 
Kelly explains this discussion with students without their parents this way, and I quote, A student may be out of school, out at school, but they may not be out to their parents, Kelly explained. She added that if they are not out to their parents, it may be because it is not safe for them to be out, and warned that some students may have non-affirming parents or even parents who are shaming about a student's identity. It is incredibly important when school is a safer environment for students than it is at home to be protective of that and to continue to foster those relationships and up those resiliency factors for that child, Kelly said, end quote. Then on top of that, in another school district in the country, we have somebody like this, this preschool teacher doing this. Story time. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own, teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator, and we have been rocking our two's class. We've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy. It's been fabulous. But our teaching team is shifting, and a new person is being onboarded, someone with many years of experience. So today at the lunch table, when the topic of gender and came up, one of our students plainly looked up and said, well, I'm a girl today, but I know that teacher Ko isn't. No, they're Envy. And the look on the incoming teacher's face was priceless. She was shocked in a good way. And she just looked around at the two of us and said, this class is incredible. And I am so impressed. And now we come to the part that will make you want to hold on very tightly to your hat because the wind's really going to blow on this one. My principal just approved our district's first transition closet. We'll be working with the organization, The Transition Closet, to provide clothes for transgender, non-binary, and gender-exploring youth who maybe don't have the access or the safety to get those clothes uh, in their personal lives. They'll be able to come to school and change the clothes that make them feel more at home and more like themselves. And I just think that's lovely. The goal of the transition closet is for our students to be able to wear the clothes that their parents approve of, come to school, and then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are. And I use the idea that this is like Superman changing in a phone booth. But that idea actually goes a lot further than that, because Superman isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is actually the disguise. And when Clark Kent goes into the phone booth, he transforms into Superman, who's really just who he truly is, Kal-El. And so this gives our trans students the opportunity to be the superheroes that we know they are. So to explain, these now are closets provided by the school, approved by the school, so the student who feels they are trans or experimenting with it can come to school with their normal clothes on from home. Then they go to this transition closet, change into what they feel they are that day, the clothes that would be appropriate, if you will, for that gender. And then before going home, can change back to their regular clothes that they came to school with so their parents never get a clue about what was going on. And the school is endorsing and promoting it without the parents' knowledge. You see, the running theme you have here that you see revealed through all of this, apart from the myriad moral and legal violations involved, is that parents, you don't have this, the, the sole right or authority over your child and their upbringing and education, but we, the state, also have a right to it. 
And if you don't allow this in your child's life, then move aside and let us do it. We'll do it for you so you don't have to be a part of it and we don't have to report to you about it either. Well, how about that? Well, interestingly, in this 2013 article by Dr. Steve Elward of Koinonia House, he knew already what was going on before even of these, any of these issues existed in this way today. And he could have written this today that he wrote nine years ago. And here's what he says, and I quote, Progressives believe that in many cases, the rights of the state trump parental rights. Progressives are concerned that parents may interfere with a child's learning if given the chance. They want all children to receive explicit sex education as early as kindergarten and see parental rights as a threat to that program. Some progressives would take the legal principle of in loco parentis, which means in the place of the parent, and use it to give the state the role of the parent in all aspects of a child's life, end quote. This, of course, is way out of line. It's illegal and it's immoral. And it's not only against scripture, but it's even just against the normal historic values of countless cultures worldwide for centuries. But here at Truth Unbound, we see God's truth alone and what it speaks into the, into the dilemmas of today. And God's word here shows us that the state does not have authority over a child, only the parent does. The home, the family, is the first and basic institution God established for society, as seen in the book of Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And parents are the children's ultimate, ultimate authority in their lives. Now, here's just a few of the core teachings God gives parents and children and the order in which this is, this is to be carried out. Excuse me, can't talk today. And the order in which this is supposed to be carried out every day, every moment of every day. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment requires that a child honor his father and mother. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it gives the guardrails for this kind of parenting and their authority. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it says to children directly, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Even Jesus, when here as a human being, put himself under the authority of his parents. For instance, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You see, when Christ was a child, he followed and obeyed his parents' authority. The family is the foundation of society. Parental rights over their children to love them, to provide for them, to educate them, and to protect them is a fundamental God-established right given to them, or delegated rather to them from God, to the parents alone who produced that child through their love between them or adopted the child into their love as a family. The state also has delegated authority from God 
but it is severely limited to protect the people under its watch from evil and to promote the good. That is its basic and sole responsibility according to Romans chapter 13. It is never, neither by command or principle, given the role that the parent has over the child. This is just unquestionable. You cannot question that. It's clear as crystal in the scriptures. In an article by Christian apologist Jason Jolin, he says, and I quote, On September 30th, 2021, U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona was asked by a Senate committee whether parents are the primary stakeholders when it comes to their children's education. He refused to answer the question directly. Instead, he simply said they were important. He said, I quote, I believe parents are important stakeholders, but I also believe educators have a role in determining educational programming, end quote. Jolin continues, that really didn't answer the question. Certainly, educators have a role in determining education curriculum. But the question was, who is the primary stakeholder and therefore has ultimate say in whether certain content is inappropriate, end quote. He's correct. The parents give a limited delegated authority to the school to educate their children, but as the primary stakeholders and ultimate protectors and providers of their children, who, by the way, also finance their schools through taxation as well. They ultimately, they, the parents, ultimately establish what is the proper content and direction of their children's education. Now, this delegated authority is to provide teaching in core subjects, but not in inserting ideologies, least of which grooming them to engage in sexual activity and sexuality-based ideas and behaviors. So parents, you God says you are the ultimate stakeholder and authority in your child's life, not the state or the school. When they, those who are part of the government educating your children, step out of their prescribed responsibility, you have a right to resist it and lawfully demand it to return to within its given boundaries and authority delegated to them from you. The greatest education, though, is what you give to them in spiritual, moral, and practical knowledge in the home. Your loving discipline also educates when it is necessary to do it. So don't abandon your ultimate authority delegated to you by God, to those who only want to satisfy their own self-interest, which is now involving the increasing immoral self-interest that is outside the laws and righteousness of God for the family, and for society as a whole. So monitor closely what your kids are being taught and how they are being influenced at school or anywhere else for that matter, even if it's a Christian school or church. Ah, yes, and speaking of the church, let me bring this podcast to a close with this last example. Do you know where the original idea of these transgender transition closets come from? Now, some may argue it started in college campuses across the country, and who's first doesn't matter. But an original transition closet was started right here. Watch this. Hey, this is Amari Davim. Um, I wanted 
to share a project I've been working on called the Transition Closet. Um, I go to Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're the ones that started the Free Little Pantries. And we decided we wanted to start a closet for the people who are transgender. One of our main focuses was to love on the LGBTQIA plus community, give people some free clothes, and also offer a really cool sponsorship program where we offer free binders and free tucking underwear for people who are transitioning to help people live their free lives. What I'm hoping from you is that other churches will come and help open their own transition closets so that all over the U.S. we have churches loving on the LGBTQIA community instead of hurting them. I don't know where to start with this one, but suffice it to say, first of all, um, for her alone, I am tremendously burdened for her, the lady in this video, that she would hear the true gospel and be freed from her sin and confusion to become literally a new creation who is at peace with God and at peace with who God created her to be. I pray a godly woman who has gone through this same journey and come back to Jesus, uh, would, would take the time to befriend her and speak the truth in love and lead her to Jesus and to disciple her as a woman of God. This is a severely tragic example as well of what happens when likely unsaved leadership put on the cloak of religiosity and intentionally teach the Bible in the wrong way misinterpreting it and misapplying it and using God's name to promote immorality and mislead people even farther away from salvation and all that Jesus died and rose again for. This doesn't come from God, and God will judge these leaders of this church one day, and I hope that they repent and turn to Christ long before that moment. Look, I, I know that this is a tense and unpopular area to discuss, but it is needed and it is important, and you need to know about it and know what God's truth says about it. So I hope that you've received some biblically-based clarity in what you've heard today, and that it has especially helped you if you are a parent, and, and that it equips you to stand firm in protecting and guiding your child or teenager. And if these types of antics are happening where your kids go to school, not all of them are doing this. It's not happening everywhere, but it is increasing. And they need to, those that aren't doing it need to be commended and supported just as loudly by us. But if this is happening in your school, then I hope what you have seen and heard here will make you more aware and also help you to make the hard choices you may need to make uh, for your child and their education. Well, thanks again for listening. And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and share, and even comment. And until next time, follow Jesus, because when you do, you'll always follow the truth.